This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Let's go there. With Shira and Ryan. Oh Entertainment. Music. Pop culture. LGBT plus news. Let's go there. Start now. What's up? Welcome to the show. This is Let's Go There. And uh, happy to be back. The whole family's here in the studio. It's feeling good because next week, I'm not here. Uh, And so I'm I'm just taking it in every day until I leave. Taking it in. By the way, something weird happened today um, leading into my trip, Brian. Okay. Uh, You're going to freak out, I think, actually. Okay. (laughs) So I had to do a COVID test to go to Hawaii. And uh, so I went to CVS to do it, the rapid test. And I get there and he's like, okay, here's the stuff. This is what you're going to do. I was like, what do you mean this is what I'm going to do? You're going to have to do the test yourself. I had to do the nose thing to myself. Oh, that sucks. How was that? Awkward and weird. I documented it. You'll see it on my Instagram very soon. It was just strange because like already it's hard enough to get or allow someone else to do that nose thing. You know, poke that thing all the way up your nose. They circle it three times in like the crevice of your skull Imagine doing that to yourself. It's so uncomfortable. It was weird. I was crying like out of uh, awkwardness. And also it's like, I was like, how do you know I'm doing it properly? Like, what if I just All don't do this do properly? Swipe your nose. A no, few times. supposedly a lot of people don't do it properly and then they have to redo it over and over again. And then not only that, like afterwards I had to put it in like the little tube. Like there was a whole process. I was like, this is very challenging. Normal people should not have to do this doctor work. Yeah, but but I don't know. Now I feel very empowered. I'm happy now, you're a full-on doctor at <laughs> I'm a nurse. Point. If you have to get a test, I could do it on you, Ryan, at mm-hmm. this point. Well, I don't know about that. So, yeah, that happened. If anyone's experienced that, let me know at LGT Show because I was weirded out by that. Uh, but coming up on the show today, giving blood, as we know, has been off limits for many gay men. But a new study could help change that. We have the VP of the Red Cross joining us to answer questions at 325 p.m. Pacific, 625 p.m. Eastern. Uh, plus, we have Precious Brady Davis, who broke barriers as the first transgender mom to be correctly gendered on an Illinois birth certificate. She also also now has a new memoir and she's joining us also on the show at 4.35 p.m. Pacific, 7.35 p.m. Eastern. Every hour we've got something for you today. So stick around with us. But first, let's get into some what's trending this hour. Former President Trump announced a major class action lawsuit against Facebook, Twitter and Google, demanding a stop to the blacklisting, banishing and canceling that you know so well here that is. We're asking the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of Florida to order an immediate halt to social media companies' illegal, shameful censorship of the American people, and that's exactly what they are doing. We're demanding an end to the shadow banning, a stop to the silencing, and a stop to the blacklisting, banishing, and canceling that you know so well. And we'll be having uh, Politico on in 15 minutes to talk more about that. But uh, now the Miami-Dade mayor, Daniela Levine-Cava, announced today that 10 more victims have been discovered in the rubble of the Champlain Tower South building in Surfside, Florida. At least 46 people have died and 94 remain unaccounted for following the June 24th partial building collapse. And finally, people took to the streets of Spain's biggest cities last night to express, oh, Tuesday night, sorry, to express their anger 
Uh, at the death of a man in a suspected homophobic attack at, over the weekend, crowds filled a central Madrid square and activists marched down a major street in Barcelona, chanting slogans and waving signs and rainbow-colored flags. This happened Monday evening. I'm losing track of time because of the long weekend. Uh, and this was written on Twitter. The response to the wave of LGBT-phobic hatred, hatred that ended the life of Samuel in a corona is overwhelming. And that comes from the left-wing party that governs in coalition with the ruling socialists. Okay, well, I'm happy that they're standing up for this, and it's horrible to hear what has happened. Very tragic. And that was What's Trending This Hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? So Spotify employees are outraged by Joe Rogan's new show, according to a new Insider article. It's time for the T-Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. So employee complaints however, have kind of fallen on deaf ears of company execs. Uh, One Spotify employee said, I'm personally bothered by his transphobic comments and concerned with the way that he might um, be spreading misinformation. Which is really interesting. Um, someone else said that the publication during, uh, will tell the publication during his time at Spotify, the decision to sign a deal with Rogan was one of the most contentious ones the company has ever made. Um, while only a subgroup of staff may kind of be upset, their numbers were su- uh, sufficient enough to merit a town hall meeting back in September to address what they've been feeling about Joe Rogan's show and how basically at times he was very anti-trans. Um, A request by some staffers for the Joe Rogan experience to receive editorial supervision was denied by the company. And Rogan basically retweeted a video mocking the employees for being oversensitive. That's that's a great way to handle that. Yeah, so I don't know. (laughs) Spotify um, is really not going to get rid of this whole Joe Rogan moment. Because he's probably bringing in tons of money. Oh, yeah. And they paid a ton of money. Yeah, and they paid so much for him. So it sucks. I I, I mean, I wonder what Spotify should do. Well, they're going to have to see this contract through and then make a decision. But, you know, Joe Rogan, once again, like, I, I think he's in one of those situations where he's like, oh, yeah, F the haters. And that's unfortunate that he's not learning from it. Right? Because he just feels he's so powerful and rich at this point. I mean, but he is because people keep putting money in his pocket. And my thing is, like, he has denied COVID. He told young people to not get the shots. He's, like, said some really irresponsible things on his podcast. And he has one of the most popular podcasts out there. So it's kind of like, dude, why would Spotify want to be so connected to this person? Well, because I think that originally when it started, like, he, let's be clear, he was always problematic. It was just draped in something else. You know what I mean? It was just draped as this, yeah, like this... Uh, a, a dude that um, you know everyone is listening to, and then when you kind of went into it, really, like there have been some episodes I've listened to some episodes where it's like it's not political, it's not this that you don't hear his personal. Um, you could listen to those episodes and not know all of this, right? But then overall, when you get to know him, you realize there's other stuff there, which cancels out even the other episodes yeah. where you don't feel that way. Either way, I don't know. Let us know your thoughts at LGT Show everywhere. And uh, that's your tea report. I got more coming up next hour. Now, next on the show, we've got more on Trump's lawsuit against the biggest social media platforms next with Politico. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Former President Donald Trump announced he is suing Facebook, Twitter and Google, as well as their CEOs, Mark Zuckerberg, Jack Dorsey and Sundar Pichai. Uh, and we want to know what's going to happen now. Emily Birnbaum is here, tech lobbying and influence reporter at Politico. Thanks for being here. Hi, thanks so much for having me. So was this surprising to you at all? <laughs> I don't think it was surprising. I mean, former President Donald Trump has had an axe to grind with the major tech companies since before he came into office, you know, throughout his presidency. He attempted to take actions that would hurt Facebook, Google and Twitter. And now post-presidency, he's just using one of the tools at his disposal to try to carry that vendetta forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So break down what the lawsuit is actually saying, because what does it mean when he's like, I'm just going to sue everyone? Yeah, so basically he is alleging uh, that his First Amendment rights were infringed when the companies booted him from their platform earlier this year in the wake of the Capitol Hill riots. They 
Uh, he's making some kind of complicated legal arguments. Essentially, private companies are allowed to do whatever they want. They can remove users. They can remove posts. Um, so, but, you know, the government can't do whatever it wants. The government is bound by the First Amendment. And so he's basically arguing that these companies have operated as state actors and therefore they've exceeded their authority and, uh, you know, they have infringed on free speech rights for himself. And, you know, these are class action lawsuits. So he's saying for himself as well as um, maybe up to thousands of other people. Do you think he has a case here? I mean, is this pretty far off and just away from yeah. attention right now? Um, no, there's no case here. That's the pretty resounding consensus from legal experts who, you know, watch uh lawsuits against tech who, you know, who are constitutional scholars, they say there's no real case here. It'll probably be dismissed outright. But of course, uh, he has gotten a day's worth of headlines. He's um, before his press conference ended today, um, the RNC and um, hit and, you know, his own team had sent out messages soliciting donations from supporters saying, look, you know, former President Donald Trump is out there fighting big tech on your behalf, you know, donate here. So that is what you get Mm. from something like this. When someone like former President Donald Trump makes an announcement like this, how does it affect these social media companies when it comes to their stock? It doesn't really. I mean, I think most... Uh, most people know these suits aren't going anywhere. They have years of legal precedent to show for it. Um, you know, like there are serious threats to these companies' bottom lines. Like there's uh, legislation moving through Congress that could fundamentally change how they operate. Um, there are ongoing lawsuits from uh, coalitions of state attorneys general across the company. I think those are bigger threats than what Donald Trump did today. And so what's next? Is this actually going to go to court? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been filed and likely what's next is a judge will throw out the suit. Um, But before then, I'm sure we're going to see a lot of public back and forth. I mean, uh, it's possible the companies might have to defend themselves in filing. But as of right now, they've stayed pretty much radio silent. Um, I mean, and what's next is that Trump supporters, um, you know, in Congress and out are going to be galvanized by this and excited by these lawsuits uh, in general. And probably there will be more copycats to come. Wow, that's crazy. I feel like between the voting and this, these are their two things to stand on. Yeah, totally. I mean, this is like a priority issue for the Republican party right now. And, you know, there's some legislative efforts, some efforts to tweak tax liability shields in Congress that uh, probably can't go anywhere with Democrats in power. So for now, it's definitely a lot of messaging. Okay, well, that was Emily Birnbaum, tech lobbying and influence reporter at Politico. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me. Coming up, the results of New York's Democratic mayoral primary are here. We've got more on the projected winner. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Brooklyn Borough President Eric Adams has been projected as the winner of New York's Democratic mayoral primary. Here to share more is Emily Stewart, senior reporter at Vox. Thanks for being here with us for this update since uh, you did come on the day of the election. How's it going? (laughs) Yeah, okay. I'm I'm glad I guess the, the, the results are in now. Exactly. So, yeah, give us some context as to the results, who Eric Adams is and what led to this moment. Yeah, so Eric Adams is the Brooklyn Borough President. He has, you know, a long history in New York City politics and state politics and has been, you know, around for a long time, I think, in certain communities. He's quite well known. Um, But, you know, we did rank choice voting for the first time in the Democratic primary on June 22nd. So it has been a long haul to figure out who was going to win. You know, that's, I guess, what, two more than two weeks ago at this point, um, because we had to figure out, right? People were voting by first, second, third choice. Mm-hmm. And so it came down to being pretty close between him and another candidate, Catherine Garcia, used to be uh, head of the sanitation department here. Uh, and the difference is about a little under 10,000 votes. So it was close. So what did we learn about this new way of voting 
um, that seemed kind of chaotic. (laughs) I mean, we will see. You know, what we know right now is that there were more than 100,000 ballots that were exhausted, meaning basically by the time that it got to the final two candidates, um, people hadn't voted for either. So that maybe is an ideal. Maybe it is. You know, who knows? I think we're still waiting to see. And I hope that we will find out You know, how many people made mistakes, how many people maybe mm. voted for two people for their first choice, how many people just ranked one person. Um, it's a new system, but I think it requires some education. I, last time I talked to you guys, I went to vote right after. And there were quite a few elderly people voting with me. And a lot of them had no idea what to do and it became a little bit complicated. So it does seem like at the very least, we probably need to, to educate people a little bit more on how, and how this should work. Definitely. Any other surprises come out of this election? I mean, it's hard to say. You know, I think that with Adam kind of emerging as a, as a last minute kind of front runner was a little bit odd. You know, it was a strange race. You had Ang- Andrew Yang in it for a lot of the race. Uh, and you kind of sucked a lot of the air out of the room. Nobody's really paying attention to Adams. Progressives really had a hard time here unifying. It was supposed to be one person and another. And then finally they kind of got behind Maya Wiley, who came in third. But, you know, it was very late in the game before everybody decided that it was her. I think we're probably going to see some takes from here in New York that, you know, this is about... You know, people wanting more police, being afraid of crime. Eric Adams you know, definitely ran on a tough on crime message. Um, but he's also really well known in the community, as I said before. I think there's probably more to it. And again, because this race was so chaotic and weird in a million different ways, it's kind of hard to, to draw any big takeaways from it. Eric Adams probably will be our next mayor, but we also saw a couple of really big progressive victories a little bit you know, lower down on the ballot for a comptroller and public advocate. So it's hard to say, but I'm sure there will be a lot of takes out there about what this all means. Wasn't this guy endorsed by Rudy Giuliani? Yeah. <laughs> Which is so... I mean, this is, well, no, I think... I mean, well, I... One thing New York will do is pick an awful mayor. I mean, we... Well, <laughs> you know, I think Bill de Blasio kind of turned out to be different. And you can have different opinions yeah. on our current mayor. Um, but, you know, it's... It's a strange city. We we make our choices, and you know, I mean, we'll see what happens in November. But by all accounts, right now, Eric Adams is about to be our next mayor, and and I think that we probably have a lot to learn about what his policies even are, because again, a lot of people just didn't pay attention or ask a lot of questions throughout the primary. Oh, that's always good. Well, uh, thank you again for joining us. That was Emily Stewart, senior reporter at Vox. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you too. Bye bye. Now, coming up, Megan Kelly is explaining the reason why she left NBC. But do we actually believe her? That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Channel Q. Megan Kelly is back in the news, I'm sorry to say. 
I mean, this is nothing new. Uh, she's trying to switch the narrative of why she got fired from NBC. In a new interview with Business Insider, she claims she left her short-lived gig as an NBC morning host. Remember, she had a morning talk show there because it just wasn't intellectually stimulating enough for her. That's why she left. That's why. It wasn't because of all the problematic stuff she said, including uh, questioning blackface. So, yeah. Uh, is this is this true? Do we believe her? Well, I think you answered it. I don't know. <laughs> no, we don't believe her at all. We know that for a fact to be untrue. I mean, at this point, like, who is she trying to uh, hide from? Or who is she trying... Like, you know, like at, at this point, just, like, a- accept the fact that it happened. Acknowledge it. It makes it more awkward when you don't. But I, I genuinely feel like she doesn't believe she did anything wrong. She still doesn't get it. Of course not. Why would she? It's unfortunate. Why would she get it if she just feels like no one else's experience matters besides her own? I mean, yeah, she left it with $80 million, her severance package. <laughs> Pretty good way to get fired, right? My thing is, why would she have to work again? Well, the thing is, uh, you would ask yourself that, right? You would think that because I think when you have a taste of this industry for some people, you want more and it's hard to let go of the quote unquote attention and notoriety, even if it doesn't necessarily always mean good. But she's always popping up on social like she's it's not like she's been quiet. She's on Twitter all the time. She has now a a podcast. She said to this um reporter in this interview, I had this soaring career at Fox that was great by any measure, but I was miserable at home. It was too stressful, too much time away from my family, my kids. Then I overcorrected at NBC by going too soft. Now she works out of her basement. This is in this article, which seemed to be like a profile on her, recording a daily podcast where she talks about what's important to her. Um, And in in the queer tea that reported about this I love what this person says like how she hates Meghan Markle how she's moving her family out of New York City because it's not racist enough for her and how pissed off she is about Gone with the Wind being cancelled she says now I feel like I have the best of both worlds I'm fired up and making a difference yup the latest on Meghan Markle not Meghan Markle oh my god Meghan Kelly man wrong person let us know what you think do you listen to her do you think she actually left because she wasn't stimulated enough? At LGT shows where you can find us on social media. But coming up, a conversion therapy practice is being forced to pay up. Thank God. More details next on what is happening on What's Trending This Hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Okay, so we are back, honey. We got more What's Trending This Hour, of course. We do. Oh, my God. I'm so excited to have the VP of the Red Cross joining us in 15 minutes. That is a moment. Exactly. Legit. Red Cross? Come on. Are they going to say I can give blood finally? I mean, we're going to talk about how they're trying to change the law. Yeah, we're going to ask. It's huge. Plus, Megan Fox is speaking out about her experience with sexist double standards. That's in the T-Report in a moment. But first, let's get into some What's Trending This Hour. American Federation of Teachers President Randy Weingarten called out culture warriors who are misrepresenting critical race theory and bullying teachers and trying to stop them from teaching accurate history. Okay. Critical race theory is not taught in elementary schools or middle schools or high schools. It's a method of examination taught in law school and in college that helps analyze whether systemic racism exists, and in particular, whether it has an effect on law and public policy. But culture warriors are labeling any discussion of race, racism, or discrimination, SCRT, to try to make it toxic. They are bullying teachers and trying to stop us from teaching students accurate history. So by the way, she's on the good side of history. Um, There's a lot of people, though, that are fighting against her and continue to do that, who are on the right, typically the Republicans, which is really unfortunate. It'll be interesting to see where this lands, including going into the new school year in September. Now, trigger alert, we're about to talk about conversion therapy. 
An appeals court in New Jersey upheld a $3.5 million judgment against a conversion therapy practice that forced their clients to do a lot of... I I was about to say what they're going to do. It was including the article. I'd rather not because it's uh, really horrible and hard to hear about. Conversion therapy survivors and practitioners have been in court for close to a decade in this historic case that used consumer protection laws to take down a conversion therapy practice. Thankfully, this is happening. Again, this spot is in New Jersey. Uh, And this comes according to the attorney who represented the plaintiffs alongside the Southern Poverty Law Center in Ferguson versus uh, Jonah who said this, the message of today's decision sends is conversion therapy is every bit as dangerous, harmful, and illegal as it was when we won our jury verdict. So congratulations uh, to the appeals court for making the right judgment here. And that was What's Trending This Hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? So Megan Fox is speaking out about the double standards she has faced and faces on a regular basis. It's time for the T-Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. So the Transformers star um, spoke to InStyle this week about the unfair expectations placed upon her as a mother. She also talked about Machine Gun Kelly. She talked about, I mean, honestly, everything. She talked. There was one line where she basically talked about, you know, if she ever cared about getting major critical awards like BAFTAs or Oscars. Mm She was like, I don't care. Give me an MTV award. I don't need an effing BAFTA, which is iconic. Um, But she shared this moment where, of course, we all know she shares three children with her estranged husband, Brian Austin Green. And she told the outlet that she is held to a different standard when it comes to co-parenting. She says, you don't expect a dad to be with the kids all the time, but I'm supposed to be seen and be at home with my kids. They have another parent. I have to leave. And sometimes I don't want them photographed and they don't come with me. This whole year, I've been very surprised by how archaic some of the mindsets still are in some people. Um, she also talked about how it's very uh, you know, archaic the way people are thinking about the age gap between her and Machine Gun Kelly who is younger than her and you know, obviously it's like a whole thing because no one looks at it the same way when it comes to Brian. He's 31, she's 35. Um, That's not even that much. It's really not. <laughs> it's like it's like not even that serious. She just talked about how the patriarchy plays a huge part into it, which it does. If you want to read more about that, head over to wearechannelq.com and check out her whole entire interview. Okay. Coming up, the VP of Red Cross joins us next to talk about how they're pushing for new laws around donating blood. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Many gay men have been unable to give blood, but one study could help change that. And joining us right now is Dr. Susan Stramer, a vice president of scientific affairs for the American Red Cross and lead for this advanced study. Thanks for being here. Oh, thanks so much for having me. It's a really important study. It and is. I'm glad to be able to get the word out. Definitely. <laughs> so let's first start off with some context. Where are we at with the current laws? Well, the current law has seen some progress from a permanent ban to a change in December of 2015 to one year after the last MSM contact to a change to three months in April 2020. But that's still a time-based deferral, and we would like that to change further. So that brings us to the study. But currently, um, due to COVID, the FDA did ease the restriction to only three months in April of 2020. Okay, so let's break down this study, um, because obviously there, when we're hearing a story like this and also talking about donating blood, I automatically go to, oh, I can't. As a queer man, I can't do it. So break down what this study is really saying and, and how we're moving forward in a positive way. Okay, and it is a positive way. Even though the a pace seems pretty slow, we are moving forward. This is the first study ever in the United States looking at changing from a time-based deferral to an individual risk assessment where individuals are not judged on the um, on the sexual on their sexual practices but based on um, a set of questions that will look at risk factors so that's what we're studying now we're looking at risks to see if these set of questions that we're asking people who participate in the study can be predictive of recent HIV infection or as predictive of recent HIV infection as a time-based deferral. 
So we're really trying to change from a time-based deferral to a set of questions that can predict early HIV infection. Got it. I mean, because HIV can happen to anyone of any gender. Of course, yes. HIV doesn't discriminate. Is, is there a, a country doing this in a way that you think is the right way right now? Well, many countries are looking at changes. I just saw um, a news clip that Germany is going to change their, their laws from time-based deferrals. So many countries in Europe, the Netherlands um, and the United Kingdom, Brazil, Italy, um, Spain, um, Canada is trying to work with their government also to change their policy. So change is definitely in the works. Um, it may be a phased change, you know, step by step, but it's all changed to get rid of a time-based deferral and have deferrals based on individual risks. So, so similar to what we're mm-hmm. doing, but not exactly the same. Got it. Right. And I guess I kind of want to be clear here. How do how are how should blood centers and especially in this process, blood centers are going to have to find a way to, you know, obviously determine who is a risk, but not alienate donors. And so how does that actually happen? How is that going to be clear in, in making sure that we're not alienating people who need? And also if there are people who are a risk to get the help that they even need. Yes. Well, I mean, the most important thing is to be inclusive and have a policy that allows anyone who's eligible um, to be able to donate blood. And that's the point that we're trying to get to. So um, we're trying to eliminate the types of time-based deferrals that we have today. So, I mean, it's really important to be able to do a study like this, to be able to show that we can make change. And even though change may not happen tomorrow, I mean, the study will prove or hopefully will prove that um, we can do things a different way. Is there a timeline to this? Well, we had hoped to be done with the study this calendar year, but because of COVID, everything just got delayed. So because of lockdowns and, you know, like, for example, two of our sites are in California and California just reopened a couple of weeks ago. So COVID really put um, quite a damper on our study over the past, you know, three to four months. So we really just started to get rolling, um, you know, in the May, June timeframe. So we probably will be done with data collection by the middle of next year. And then we'll have to analyze the data. Mm -hmm. FDA will have to review the data and consider how we did in our study relative to how other countries that are making changes before the U.S., how they're doing. And hopefully when they factor all those things together, um, maybe there'll be, you know, a, a new policy. I, I don't know. The FDA has framed our study as just a pilot. All right. It's the first step in determining if change can occur. Well, thank you uh, so much mm-hmm. for starting this study and, and creating the conversations that need to be had so we can make sure everything is as inclusive as as, as possible, right? And uh, we really right. appreciate the work that you're doing and the Red Cross is always doing. So thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you. And thank you. And we do need eligible participants in our eight, eight cities. Okay, so what are you looking for exactly, just quickly as we wrap things up? We're looking at, we have eight cities um, that are participating in the study. Los Angeles, San Francisco, New Orleans, um, Memphis, Miami, Orlando. We're bringing up Atlanta and Washington, D.C. And we need um, gay and bisexual bisexual males who are sexually active between the ages of 18 and 39 who live in those cities and are willing to uh, participate in our study. Um, It's called um, Advance. The website is advancedstudy.org. And if you look at that website, uh, you can see what, you know, how to sign up. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. That was Dr. Susan Streamer, Vice President of Scientific Affairs for the American Red Cross. How cool is that? So cool. The Red Cross was just on the line. And people can get involved. That's what I'm talking about. Should we go get blood right now? Let's go get blood. Coming up, why the Olympics' swim cap rule is a step backwards for sports that's next. 
Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. The International Swimming Federation, known as FINA, says it is reviewing its decision not to allow the use of swimming caps designed for natural black hair at the Tokyo Olympics this summer. And joining us to talk more about this is Torrance Thomas, co-founder of Tank Proof. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, this is all pretty wild. What did you think about this when this came out? Had you experienced similar, basically racist comments? Um, well, unfortunately, in the world that we live in, in the space that we're in, it's very, you know, it's very niche. It's very elitist still in, in the United States, for sure. And there's not a lot of people of color in the space. So there are things that we do experience. Sometimes it is very obvious and, and blatant racism, but a lot of times it's very subversive. I think we can both agree that, that this was very, very obvious what, what they're trying to do. And uh, it, it's something that really it sickens us, honestly. I mean, asking you if you've experienced racism is probably like a no-brainer because we're living in America. But I think um, what's really interesting is here we're really seeing, I don't know if it's because we're seeing a lot of black athletes, specifically black women athletes, being highlighted this go-round that feels like it's more in our face. Um, But what do you feel like has changed over other Olympics that we're seeing now, especially the conversation surrounding that? Um, if, I mean, and let me just clarify the question. Is it what have I seen in other sports as regards to progress or? Yeah, just progress in general. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I've seen other sports like, for example, soccer. They have a big, big campaign against saying no to racism and they hand down hefty fines. They, they do things in this action that takes place to make sure that racism doesn't exist in that sport. But the thing about it is this isn't. FIFA for like in soccer, that's the governing body. But this is this is FINA. This is the governing body itself saying that people with this hairstyle or hair type have to make a decision. Either cut your hair yeah. or, you know, you can't swim. That is crazy. Well, we want to talk more about this and what the Olympics and FINA can do moving forward. Is it possible to do anything to basically uh, solve solve this um and how can they respond to it let's get into that um, conversation oh, next okay. let's go there with shira and ryan channel q we're back talking about this ruling against swim caps for black swimmers at the olympics and back with us is torrence thomas the co-founder of tank proof uh so what does the olympics do in fina moving forward it seems like fina has somewhat apologized if that's an apology uh i wouldn't consider that an apology i think that's very subjective um and so i I wouldn't even go as far as to say an apology i would say they made a statement Mm -hmm. and you could take that statement at face value and from my experience if people want to do something they can if they want to do it they will excuse me if they want to do it they will right and i just don't feel like the want is there well, here's the thing. I, I feel like it, in sports, we, especially last year, we saw such a, a radical racial awakening that happened. And I, I wonder, is there anything that's, you know, these major, I mean, I, it feels when I'm talking about sports, I feel like I'm talking about something I have no clue about. When you're talking about NFL or, you know, any other kind of sports organization, should they be speaking out against this, especially if they mean all of this stuff that could be deemed performative in the eyes of someone like me? Honestly, I this is my personal opinion. I feel like there needs to be more noise about it mm-hmm. from an intersectional aspect. I feel like other sports and other Olympic associations and committees could say something, should say something, but I feel like a lot of people aren't making any statements. What is USA Swimming during this time? What are they doing? What have they said about it? These are things, uh, that's USA Swimming, but the, the swimmer was from Great Britain, has their national swim association made a statement about it these are things that i'm curious about because to me if those things aren't being done i think it is safe to say that we can gauge the temperature that's being set 
because we can look at the thermostat and see what it is. I mean, mm-hmm. it doesn't take it doesn't take much rocket science to figure it out. So what happens now? What do you think that FINA and the Olympics should be doing? Um, this is just, again, this is my personal opinion. Um, <laughs> what I think should be done is that the first has to be a, a real sincere apology. Number one, um, I feel like they, you know, they should be some form of a direct, hey, look, we were wrong. We were wrong about this, but I don't know if that's going to happen. So, with this again, this is my opinion. This is what I think should happen. There should be a formal apology. There should be, you know, a, at least the inclusion of the caps to be worn. Uh, I don't think that, and this is just me, obviously living in the realistic real world that we do live in. Do I really think uh, a big change is going to be done? I think eventually it's going to be done because, but I also think that it's too soon. They're using the fact the Olympics is right around the problem. corner. It's going to slow down the process to make any changes because here's the one thing that most people don't know. Those processes, like the ruling that they handed down, has to go through an appealing process. Right. And then that appellate process, that, appe- that appeal has to be approved for appeal. <laughs> and if the appeal does not get approved to be you know, up for appeal, then it's just not going to happen. So. It, it's a long process that has to take place, and from my understanding, I don't. I, from from my understanding, SoCap hasn't gotten access or approval to get that appeal as mm-hmm. of yet. So, it's um, yeah, it, it, it's crazy. So let's uh, end this conversation talking a little bit more about tank proof, because I would love to know how your organization helps continue to educate our communities yeah. about what's going on, especially at heightened moments like this. Oh, my gosh. And so, um, well, more specifically, Tank Proof is a 10-year-old nonprofit that focuses on giving swimming lessons and food security to kids and communities who need it most. Um, we started out in Louisiana, and, you know, from, from our small town, we've expanded the organization to Austin, Texas, Los Angeles, California, San Francisco, California, heading to Portland, the Dallas Plano area. New York is on our list as well. And so we've seen a lot of growth and a lot of impact. We've been able to affect the lives of over 2,300 kids and wow. counting by giving them the life-saving gift of swimming. So this, this, this particular topic is near and dear to us because we're in the space. This mm-hmm. is a direct, you know, almost, um, this, this is something that, because we, in our organization, when we teach our kids, we use soul caps. Mm-hmm. And it's something for me to tell my little girls, how can I tell my little girls, well, wow, I have a cap that fits me, but, you know, you can't be comfortable to compete. Yeah. It's 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 very very difficult for me to do that. And for us during these times we're grateful for the work that we've done and the 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 legacy that we've begun to lay down because yes, we we are a stakeholder in the space of aquatics in this country and hopefully in other countries coming soon. We want to be able to give kids of color this life-saving gift to be able to enter into the water space safely and to know that they belong. Well, that's amazing. Thank you for ending this on a high note. And uh, yeah, your work is incredible. Again, for more, check out uh, Tank Proof, everything they're doing at tankproof.org. That was Torrance Thomas, the co-founder of Tank Proof. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Now coming up next, we've got What's Trending This Hour. Don't go anywhere. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Coming up this hour on Let's Go There, Precious Brady Davis joins us, a Chicago trans activist, to talk about her new memoir. She has an incredible story, so stick around for that in 30 minutes. Plus, Paris Hilton is speaking out about Britney Spears and all that drama. That's in the T-Report in a moment with Ryan. But first, let's get into some what's trending this hour. This is a strange one. Investigators seized a fully constructed U.S. Capitol Lego set from Robert Morse, 27, along with a notebook containing instructions on how to create a hometown militia. That's according to thesmokinggun.com. Morse was part of the attack on the Capitol and the insurrection. The reported army ranger turned substitute teacher, as this continues getting weirder, was indicted last month for his alleged role in the uprising, charged with assaulting, resisting, or impeding officers, civil disorder, robbery of U.S. property, and obstruction. Five people died as a result of the violent conflict. And as we know, Capitol Police Officer Brian Sicknick died of a stroke after fighting off the crowd. Uh, And this guy, imagine, 
this guy, this guy was getting ready, Robert Morse. He is one of 500 or more people that have been charged in this so far, and investigators are investigating hundreds of other suspects. Now, California has reinstated a mask mandate for all legislators and employees at the state capitol, regardless of vaccination status, following an outbreak of nine COVID-19 cases there. Online people who came down with COVID are legislative staffers, four of whom had been fully vaccinated. Effective immediately, people are required to wear a mask at all times. So, yeah, it's happening there and it could happen to any of us. So let's all be careful. I feel like I'm saying that every day. Mm-hmm. And uh, finally, the Ohio governor signed another bill that could allow doctors to refuse LGBTQ patients. Ohio Governor Mike DeWine signed that bill that could allow doctors, hospitals, insurers, and other healthcare professionals and companies to deny services if they have an objective or objection based on, quote, moral, ethical, or religious beliefs. And women's rights and LGBTQ equality advocates are basically sounding the alarm in the state about this sweeping religious exemption language included in this budget bill signed last Wednesday by DeWine. So we'll see what happens with that and if any changes happening are happening, but basically it is a bill that would attack LGBTQ individuals as well as women. And that does it for What's Trending This Hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? So Paris is sticking by her friend Britney Spears. It's time for the Tea Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. So during the most recent episode of her podcast, This is Paris, uh, which aired literally on Monday, um, she weighed in on comments that Britney made during her recent conservatorship testimony in which Britney said this. um, She said the Paris Hilton story of what they did to her at that school. I don't believe any of that. I'm sorry. I'm an outsider. Maybe I'm wrong. And that's why I don't want to say any of this to anybody, uh, to the public. People would make fun of me or laugh at me and, and say she's lying. She's got everything. She's Britney Spears. Well, um, guest Gigi Gorgeous and uh, their partner, uh, Nat Getty, basically asked Paris, well, how did you feel when Britney said that? And here is what Paris had to say. And what she said was, you know, when people hear that, they're like, oh, it's Britney Spears, it's Paris Hilton, they have these perfect lives. Like, who is going to believe, you know, if I didn't even believe Paris, like, who's going to believe me? Right. And that's when she first watched it. And I think the media, of course, when they write things out, they like to change it up a little bit. So, um, yeah, I think it was just like a misunderstanding on the media's part. Yeah. Yeah, Which is great. I mean, you know, I guess Paris is being like, I'm not going to let any of that cloud. And also, Hmm. what would be the point of Paris being saying something negative about Britney right now? Oh, of course. Wait, so she basically is saying, and you said this, that she didn't, that Britney didn't believe that everything happened to Paris? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, she said that during the testimony. But I think she was saying that in a bigger, in a bigger sense. Oh, Um, like how it was hard to believe and that's why it's easy. Okay, guys. Right, right. And so um, there's more to that, actually. It's a a three-minute clip and we only played about 30 seconds of it. So you should head over to WeAreChannelQ.com to check out what Paris fully had to say because she really did say uh, uh, leave a sweet message in the caption on her Instagram for Britney. And so, yeah, still hashtag free Britney over here. That's your T report. I got more coming up next hour. Okay, now we all want to sound smarter, right? But how do you do that while not sounding pretentious? Well, the host of NPR's podcast, You're Saying It Wrong, joins us for some advice next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. With all of us communicating, communicating, oh my lord, you know we have someone that's an ex, uh, expert on grammar and words and I can barely speak right now. Uh, <laughs> let me restart that. <laughs> With all of us communicating over email or DMs, it's easy for things to get lost in translation. And we have that expert joining us right now, Kathy Petras, co-host of NPR's podcast, You're Saying It Wrong. She's here for tips on how to sound smart but also not pretentious. Thanks for being here. Well, it's good to be here. Holy moly. Do a lot of people feel uh, maybe anxious around you or nervous that they're going to say the wrong thing? <laughs> no, because I say the wrong thing all the time. I okay, just talk good. about it all the time, too. So. <laughs> good. Uh, well, I, I love this, and I think that it's so important the way you speak can change, obviously, how people receive you. But what are we seeing in terms of what that communication is like these days over you know text or emails or messages? 
Well, honestly, it's two different problems I see all the time and that I hear people complaining about all the time. On one hand, you've got people who are panicking and trying really hard to sound smart and say the right thing and kind of like sound more educated or, or more intelligent and they're striving so hard, they totally blow it. They'll use the wrong word at the wrong moment, thinking it's the smart word. Mm-hmm. And then on the other hand, you have people who are a little too casual, which is all well and good with your friends, but it's another thing if you're trying to like impress your boss or something like that and you're too casual, it just doesn't come off as professional. Well, why do we feel like there's such pressure in, in the in making the right language choices, right? Because I think there's, it's really interesting mm-hmm. when we're having this conversation being like, oh, we're, we're all afraid of sounding pretentious. So why is yeah, that even it, there in the first place? Isn't that weird? Yeah. Right. That's a, good, that's a really good question. I think that there's so much pressure on us around, the, around everything now. Mm-hmm. There's more competition than there ever was. Everybody's scrambling to like, look smarter, to get the better job, to make more money, to whatever. So I think we're all kind of freaking out. And I think that ends up undermining us frankly. Yeah, and then you overthink it and then you could barely speak or think properly when you're exactly. in your head. It's funny in language there's a thing called hypercorrection mm. um which is pretty much just like a, a multisyllabic way of saying you're thinking so hard to not blow it that you <laughs> yeah. make the correction that you didn't need to make. It's like between you and me. People are so used to saying me is bad. You say I. So they say between you and I. Uh Between you and I is wrong. (laughs) But they're doing it, you know, because they think that's the right way to do it. So I love this. In this article, you go through words that folks might use or sayings, and it's actually the wrong saying or something that might annoy the person you're talking to. (laughs) Yeah, this was an interesting one because I write with my brother, Ross. Nice. And um, he and I interviewed a bunch of uh, managers at uh-huh. different companies and asked them what were the things that irritated them the most. And some of them I didn't even think of. And then when you hear it, you go, oh, yeah, I do hear that all the time. For example, a bunch of them said they hate it when someone says, I'm going to say 3 a.m. just because that's the number we use, 3 a.m. in the morning. Yeah, I'll call you at, well, that's too early. I'll call you at 8 a.m. in the morning. You don't need in the morning. A.m. is already the abbreviation for anti-meridian, which means before noon. So you're just being redundant. I mean, these managers are very picky to, uh, to look know, into language <laughs> in this way. I mean, I, I, and I get it, but it's, it's intense, all of it. I mean, it yeah. seems like that a lot of these sayings, it's more about redundancies. It, a lot of them are redundancies. A lot of them are the wrong words. We've uh, found one study that found um, that, some, I forget what it was, it was how many, it was a high percentage, something like 60% of hiring managers said if they see grammatical errors in a resume or cover letter, they just toss it. They mm-hmm. won't even go a step further. So it's that intense. Mm. And that makes sense because <laughs> oh does that reflect... I'm self-employed. Well, yeah. Does that, does that actually reflect in someone's work if their email or message is misspelled or something's not said properly? I, I, I don't think it should be because I think you can be an incredible asset to a company and be an incredible worker on any level and not do it well. But I think the perception is if you're not communicating well, something else might be wrong. You're sloppy. There's not an attention to detail, something like that. And you don't think there should be a little bit? I mean, here's the thing. If, if people are constantly making the same, like, errors in their emails and things like that, it does feel like, okay, well, why aren't you slowing down a little bit and rereading some things? Yeah, I think you're, I think you're absolutely right, because you should be. You're, you're totally right. I'm so, just saying that, uh-huh. if, like, like, some of these things that managers, like, picked on, like one of you said before, it was a little picky. It was a little nitpicky. And some of them are. I'm sorry. I do actually think that. I mean, like, we had people saying they hate the term absolutely essential. It's like if it's essential, it's, it's, you can't get more so. I, I don't know. That I'd cut some slack on. If somebody's saying that, you know what they're trying to say. And, I, I mean, the whole point is communication. I think that's a little much. But I do think sloppiness, like if you're constantly spelling things wrong, if you don't know how to punctuate a sentence, I, I think that you're going to have problems, yeah. Okay, so just finally, 30 seconds, what can people do about all of this if they find themselves in this situation? Um, I think there's three things. First, calm down. Secondly, take <laughs> a little time. Reread stuff. Don't, don't just blurt. Don't just think a little bit, but don't overthink. It's, mm-hmm. it's, like, it's kind of hard, but you can do it. I promise you can. 
Okay, well, that was Kathy Petras, co-host of NPR's You're Saying It Wrong podcast. Go check it out. Thanks again. Thanks so much. Coming up, we've got Precious Brady Davis, an award-winning diversity advocate and author. Her new memoir is out. She'll be here to tell us more about it next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Well, we've got a very special guest joining us right now, an award-winning trans activist, diversity advocate. She made headlines as the first transgender mom to be correctly gendered on an Illinois birth certificate. But that's far from the beginning of her story. Precious Brady Davis joins us right now on the show. Thanks for being here. Hi, Shira. How are you? Thanks for having me. Well, we are so excited. You are beyond inspiring, to say the least, and you have a new memoir out called I've Always Been Me. Tell us more about the decision to do this and put all of yourself out there. Absolutely. So this book is really about celebrating the the authenticity of my life. Mm. This book is about finding love. Uh, I think that so many folks in their life are on a journey to find love. And this is about my, my journey to, to claim it, to, to stand up for myself and, and do what it takes to, to create it and to, to leave the, the trauma of, of my life behind and to, to celebrate the resilient person that I have always been. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's beautiful, right? And I feel like I've been having more and more important conversations with other friends who are other women who are of the trans experience, specifically black women, who are honestly so over just highlighting trauma as their experience. And I, I I think it's so important. And I wonder, what are your thoughts about that moving forward and speaking and highlighting more of the joy that is being a black trans woman? Ryan, thank you so much for saying that. That is one of the reasons I, I wrote this book. We as trans women have a multitude of experiences. And I think it's important that, that we talk about the violence and the stigma that happens in particular to trans women of color, but I think it's important that we talk about trans joy. And for me, in writing this book, I wanted to to talk about the love hmm. that I've experienced. I wanted to talk about my life as a professional trans woman navigating the world. I wanted to to talk about creating a, a, a trans future where where trans people can can thrive. And I really want people to see the the whole scope of our humanity, that we have hopes, that we have dreams. You know, I'm a wife, you know, I'm a mother, uh, I'm a community leader. And I think it's time for us to expand the narrative uh, of of transness and, and what people associate when they think of trans women and trans people in general. Definitely. And you did so much in Chicago making history when you're looking at what's happening across the country and, you know, so much, uh, so many rights being taken away and also for, you know, trans parents, uh, what do you have to say about that? And how, how can we build people be fighting back to get what you got in Chicago and in Illinois? Absolutely. Well, I first want to say that I think it's a disgrace when you look at the, the onslaught against trans youth happening across the country. When you, you think about what's happening, it just makes my, just my blood boil. When we think about what's happening with, with voting rights, I, I can go on and on about that. But I think in particular, I think that we need to be having a mass conversation about affirming and accepting queer young people. For me, as a, a child, I was simply taught that obedience was the only option in particular when it came to Christian doctrine, Christian doctrine, because I grew up in a, a Pentecostal environment. Girl, I and was just about to ask because I did as well. I was church of God in Christ. So I, you know, I understand. So, what you're you talking know, about. yes. So, you know, and people use the guise of religion to, to discriminate young people. And I think that so many young people face trauma and I think that we need to expand the conversation and, and tell young people that you can be spiritual and you can be queer. You can have a, a relationship with God or whatever you deem God to be. Uh, and, and for me, it's really about expanding the conversation of 
acceptance because for me it's bull i mean it's a load yeah. of of bull of saying that you can't accept young people like when you look at the the rates of homelessness in this country when you look at young people being put out on the amount of young people who commit suicide because of the injustice of not receiving acceptance in their homes for me it is just so sad and it's one of the reasons that I share my story, mm. you know, because growing up, I experienced being put out by my grandmother because she didn't understand. And that's why I've done so much of the work that I've done, you know, working w with LGBT youth. And I feel like I, I was a parent long before I ever had my own biological child. And yeah. so for me, it's about acceptance and affirmation. Well, speaking of just acceptance and affirmation, I mean, last year, in the middle of the quarantine, you and your your partner were on TLC on a series, My Pregnant Husband, which was absolutely the cutest thing because it had such a beautiful <laughs> moment of showing positive, you know, depictions of black trans folks on TV. Can you talk a little bit about your experience as we're wrapping this up? Because I think it's so important to, one, highlight that and, and just know that you're out here being that positivity and that reinforcement that everyone kind of needs to see. Thank you so much, Ryan. It's been a joy being here today with, with you and mm -hmm. Shira. Uh, my husband and I were on a show on TLC called My Pregnant Husband, and it basically documents uh, my husband and I bringing a, a, a child into the world. And we it was another moment for us to show individuals that LGBTQ folks, particularly trans people, are not a, a monolith that we care about starting families, that we care about love and that we deserve affirmation in our lives. And it was really about highlighting family because I don't think you see enough trans families represented. I don't think you see enough trans love stories represented. And uh, that's really what that, that special on TLC was about. Oh my God. Check out her Instagram because these pictures will make you want to cry. I mean, she is first of all I'm gorgeous. Like, she yes. is fabulous. You, you're beautiful. Your family's beautiful. <laughs> Life is deal. beautiful. Thank you for being here and for sharing your story. Thank you so much for having me. That was Precious Brady Davis. Again, check out her book. I have always been me and pre-order it now on Amazon as well, right? Well, now it's out at bookstores everywhere. Wherever okay, you get perfect. Books that okay. Are sold. There you go. Do it right now. Get the book. We'll be back with more of Let's Go There right after this. Let's Go There with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Watch out, Postmates. There's a new app called Postdates. What is it exactly? Well, it's a parody service, but it kind of works. Um, it's basically this this thing, this app will send you a courier to your ex's place in order to pick up an item or items that you left. Get it? That's why it's called post dates. How many times you break up with someone, cut things off, but alas, you've left something at their spot. What do you do? Well, this is a service that will pick it up for you. It actually makes a lot of sense. And the service is still operational, even though it is a parody service. It's operational in New York City and Los Angeles, where you can get your stuff back for a $29.99 flat rate, plus extra charges for, quote, emotional labor and the actual fee for the courier to snag your stuff. So this isn't real? It's ba it's it's around. It's like it was a, a, a parody uh, thing that these three folks created but you could actually use it in New York City and LA but it's not necessarily going to be this like app that scales although I feel like it could there's something here they announced it and then people started getting in touch with them about like well how are you going to treat your gig workers and all that I you mean know? Good question. and so yeah but then they're like well this is kind of not real like they're doing it but it's not fully real it's like a pop-up type of situation Oh, smoky. So, um, brow suggested items, hoodies. Yeah, you could actually. So, wow, how it works is you go there, post dates, okay? You can go, is it online? And then also, I think it's uh, also there's an app. Oh, well, the question around protecting what? the gig workers was from entering potentially dangerous or emotionally charged situations. Because what if the breakup didn't end well and it's like actually a pretty dangerous situation? or anyone going up there trying to pick up stuff, then they would be now targets to any crazy domestic situation. Okay, happening. so here it goes. Actually, it's a site, postdates.co, okay? And you go on, 
And you basically can uh, click on if you casually dated, lived together, one night stand, <laughs> seriously dated, hooked up, etc. You get the point. <laughs> Friend zoned is a popular choice, it seems. And you could then, once you click that, you can click on what, as you mentioned, what you left there. So is it a custom item? Is it a toothbrush laptop charger? Do you want your skillet back or dog bowl? I mean, I don't know. This could get messy, but I do like the idea. Messy? If anything, they're doing the messy stuff for you. No, but the messy part is sending in strangers to do this and then them getting into involved into it. That's what you're paying for. Uh, according to this Vice.com writer who tried this out, you know, it says $29.99, but she ended up paying $71. So it's not so cheap. But hey, I think I would pay that just for my um, emotional sanity of not bumping into my ex. Let us know what you think. Would you use a service like this post dates at LGT shows where you can find us on social media? Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We're wrapping up the show as we always do with our Yes Queen of the Day. Yes, Queen. A son is sharing the letter his mom received through her door after she hung a rainbow flag outside her house. So this son, Levi, is 30 years old, and he told Pink News that he gave his mom, Stephanie Robertson, and some friends the flag last year. And so the letter that Stephanie received said, Hello, this is probably kind of weird, but I walk past your house every day, and I've noticed your flag, and I'm glad to know there's at least one ally in this little town. It was signed from a young LGBTQ person. Oh my goodness, really? Uh Yeah. It just shows that any act can make a difference showing your support. Really? Oh, God. Including in those small towns, but really anywhere. So hopefully that inspires you to do what you can. I mean, we should. It should inspire us all. Even small acts make a difference. No act is too small. Well, that does it for our Yes Queen of the Day and our show today. Yes, Queen. But we are back tomorrow on the show. We're going to be talking about how sex parties around the world have changed in a post-COVID world. What that looks like. I'm intrigued. Uh, Plus, we're going to be talking about unemployment aid and what some workers are doing. That is tomorrow live here on Channel Q, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern. If you miss any of our shows or interviews, we post everything as a podcast. You can catch up on everything. It's very easy. We cut it up. We take out the music. It's a podcast. Just go to the Odyssey app, search Let's Go There, or where podcasts are available, and subscribe and follow us. We are sending you love and light. And honey, remember to say... And stick around for Love Line with Dr. Chris, where he's covering busting relationship myths. That's next. All right, bye, (laughs) y'all. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.